0: Chapter Twelve, Part Two of Commentary IN the Gospel of John, Book Eleven, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eighteen, one, two. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook KEDRON, where was a garden into the which he entered himself and his disciples. Now Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft-times resorted thither with his disciples. After having enlightened his disciples and turned them by suitable instruction to all those things that make for righteousness, and after having bidden them choose the life which is most spiritual and pleasing to God, AND BESIDES ALSO PROMISING HIMSELF TO FULFILL THEM WITH SPIRITUAL GRACES, AND SAYING THAT BLESSINGS FROM THE FATHER ABOVE WOULD BE SHOWERED DOWN UPON THEM, JESUS GOES FORTH READILY, NOT SHRINKING FROM THE TIME OF HIS SUFFERING, NOR YET FEARING TO DIE FOR ALL MEN. FOR WHAT LIKELIHOOD COULD THERE BE THAT HE SHOULD DO THIS, WHO WAS BROUGHT FACE TO FACE WITH SUFFERING, THAT BY HIS OWN AGONY, he might purchase exemption for all when too for this purpose only he had come that he might by his own blood reconcile the whole earth to god the father it is true that often when the jews chose to rage against him and attempted in their fury to stone him he escaped by his divine power rendering himself invisible and withdrawing himself with the greatest ease from the reach of those who sought him for he was not willing yet to suffer the fitting time not yet calling him thereto but as the time had now come christ left the house where he had instructed his disciples in the mystery and came to the place whither he himself the saviour of all mankind was wont often to resort together with his holy disciples. He did this, too, from a wish to make it easy for the traitor to find him. The place was a garden, typifying the paradise of old. For in it, as it were, all places were summed up. And in it was consummated our return to man's ancient condition. For in paradise the troubles of mankind had their origin, while in the garden began Christ's suffering which brought us deliverance from all evil that had befallen us in time past three judas then having received the band of soldiers and officers from the chief priests and pharisees cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons very appropriately then the inspired evangelist says that jesus was in the garden when no number of men nor any crowd, were congregating together, or contemplated coming to his succor. And that he was alone with his disciples, that he might display, in all its nakedness, the great folly of the thoughts the traitor harbored in his heart. For our conscience is very apt to create alarms in us, and torment us with the pangs of cowardice, whenever we are bent on any unholy deed." such i think was the state of the traitor's mind when he brought in his train the cohort armed with weapons of war together with the officers of the jews as though to capture a notorious malefactor for in all likelihood he knew that he could never take him unless he chose to suffer and encounter death by his own will BUT HE HAD HIS UNDERSTANDING PERVERTED BY HIS UNHOLY ENTERPRISE, AND WAS, AS IT WERE, INTOXICATED BY HIS OWN EXCESSIVE AUDACITY, AND SO HE DID NOT SEE WHITHER HE WAS TENDING, NOR PERCEIVED THAT HE WAS ATTEMPTING WHAT IT WAS BEYOND HIS POWER TO PERFORM. FOR HE THOUGHT THAT BY THE MULTITUDE OF HIS FOLLOWERS, AND BY THE HAND OF MAN, HE COULD PREVAIL OVER THE DIVINE POWER OF CHRIST. And be not amazed that the miserable man should be afflicted with such madness, and be convicted of conceiving so ridiculous an idea. For when he gave up the rudder of his mind into another's hand, and sold to the devil the power over his desires, he was wholly possessed by his madness. For the devil leapt upon him once for all, and nestled in his bosom like a poisonous snake surely one may well wonder at the traitor's fall and find in it cause for ceaseless weeping he that had just been supping with christ and shared his food and partaken at the holy table and equally with the rest had had the benefit of his words exhorting unto righteousness and had heard him declare plainly that one of you shall betray me so to say leapt up from his seat at that very table and straightway after reclining with him at the board hurried off to the jews to earn the reward of his treachery he gave no thought to Christ's inspiring words entertained not the desire of future glory and paid no heed to the honour given unto him in short preferred before the perfect blessedness which has no end a mean and paltry sum of money and proved himself the net and snare wherewith the devil entrapped christ the prime mover and fellow-worker with the jews in their iniquity against god the following thought too moves my scorn in no small degree the crowd that attended the traitor when they made their attack upon christ carried lanterns and torches THEY WOULD SEEM TO HAVE GUARDED AGAINST STUMBLING IN THE DARK, AND FALLING INTO PITFALLS UNAWARES, FOR SUCH ACCIDENTS OFTEN HAPPEN IN DARKNESS. BUT, ALAS, FOR THEIR BLINDNESS! THE MISERABLE MEN, IN THEIR GROSS IGNORANCE, DID NOT PERCEIVE THAT THEY WERE STUMBLING ON THE STONE CONCERNING WHICH GOD THE FATHER SAYS, BEHOLD, I LAY IN SIGHING A STONE OF STUMBLING AND A ROCK OF OFFENSE. They who were on occasion seized with fear of a small pitfall, saw not that they were rushing into the depths of the abyss, and the very bowels of the earth, and they who were suspicious of the twilight of evening, took no account of perpetual and endless night. For they who impiously plotted against the light of God, that is, Christ, were doomed to walk in darkness and the dead of night, as the prophet says and not only so but also to vanish away into outer darkness there to give an account of their impiety against christ and to be consigned to bitter and endless punishment four five six jesus therefore knowing all the things that were coming upon him went forth and saith unto them whom seek ye they answered him jesus of nazareth jesus saith unto them i am he and judas also which betrayed him was standing with them when therefore he said unto them i am he they went backward and fell to the ground during the night the traitor appeared bringing with him the servants of the jews together with the band of soldiers For, as we said just now, he thought that he would take him even against his will, trusting in the number of his followers, and believing that he would find him lingering in the spot whither he was wont to resort. And that day had not yet dawned to allow of his going forth elsewhere, but that night would be still detaining the Lord in the place of his lying down. Christ, then, in order to show that Judas, in holding either view, had been regarding him as a mere man, and that his plans were vain, anticipates their attack, and goes out readily to meet them, showing thereby that he well knew what Judas presumed to attempt, and that, although it were easy for him, through his foreknowledge, to escape unawares, he went of his own will to meet his sufferings. AND WAS NOT BY THE MALICE OF ANY MAN INVOLVED IN PERIL, TO THE INTENT THAT THE SCORN OF PHILOSOPHERS AMONG THE GREEKS MIGHT NOT BE MOVED THEREBY, WHO IN THEIR LEVITY MAKE THE CROSS A STUMBLING-BLOCK AND A CHARGE AGAINST HIM, AND THAT JUDAS, THE MURDERER OF HIS LORD, MIGHT NOT BE HIGHLY EXALTED AGAINST CHRIST, THINKING THAT HE HAD PREVAILED OVER HIM AGAINST HIS WILL he inquires of those who come to capture him whom they have come in search of not because he did not know for how could that be but that he might thereby prove that those who were for that very reason come and were gazing upon him were not able so much as to recognize him of whom they were in search and so confirm us in the true conviction that he would never have been taken if he had not of his own will gone to those who sought him. For observe, that when he openly asks, Whom seek ye? They did not at once rejoin, We are here to take thee who thus speakest. But they reply, as though he were not yet present or before their eyes, and say, Jesus of Nazareth. But perhaps some may reply, The Roman soldier perhaps knew not Jesus, and the servants of the jews shared their ignorance we answer that any such suggestion is groundless for how could they who were selected to the priesthood fail to know him who was in their power continually when he was teaching daily in the temple as our savior himself says but that no one should trust in arguments of this sort and misapprehending the truth the inspired evangelist foreseeing this is impelled to add that with the soldiers and the servants was standing judas also which betrayed him then how could the traitor fail to recognize the lord you might answer that it was night and dark and therefore not easy to see him of whom they were in search how worthy our admiration is the writer of the book in that not even so small a point as this has escaped his notice For he has said that, when they came into the garden, they had lanterns and torches in their hands. A solution, therefore, is found to this curious inquiry, and the divine dignity of Christ is seen, who brought himself to those who were seeking him, though they could no longer of themselves recognize him. In order to prove that they were so blinded as not to be able to recognize him, he says plainly, I am he. And that he might show the fruitlessness of numbers, and the utter incapacity of all human power to effect anything against the ineffable power of God, by merely addressing them in mild and courteous language, he bows down to the earth the multitude of those who sought him, that they might be taught how powerless to endure his threatenings is the nature of created beings, unable as it is to bear one word of God. AND THAT SPOKEN IN KINDNESS. ACCORDING TO THE WORD OF THE PSALMIST, TERRIBLE ART THOU, AND WHO SHALL WITHSTAND THY WRATH? THAT WHICH HAPPENED TO A PORTION, AND befell THOSE WHO CAME TO TAKE HIM, IS, AS IT WERE, SYMBOLICAL OF THE HUMBLING OF THE ENTIRE RACE. YEA, THE PROPHET JEREMIAH LAMENTS FOR THE JEWS, SAYING, THE HOUSE OF ISRAEL IS FALLEN, THERE IS NONE TO RAISE IT UP. That which here happened is a type of what inevitably comes to pass in a similar case, for it teaches us that he is altogether doomed to fall who practices iniquity against Christ. 7, 8, 9 Again therefore he asked them, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the word might be fulfilled which he spake, Of those whom thou hast given me I lost not one. He asked them again a second time of set purpose, that he might show the extent of the blindness he had put in their minds, for they were robbed of their right judgment, and had their minds, as it were, deranged by their impiety and knew not that they were speaking to him whom they sought. Christ, indeed, proved by his actions the truth of what he professed. I am, he says, the good shepherd. The good shepherd layeth down his life for the sheep. Christ then saves the apostles as with a shield, and bearing the brunt of the danger himself, advances to those who were come to lead him to death, sent thereunto that is by the high priests and pharisees when they answered jesus of nazareth to his question whom have ye come to take and bind in the bonds of death he pointed to himself and well nigh accusing them of delay bade them take him away and let the rest go free for it was necessary that one should die for all whose life was an equivalent for the lives of all men that he might be lord of both the dead and the living for other reasons too it were wholly impossible to accept the opinion of some that the deaths of the holy apostles themselves also resulted in the overthrow of death and corruption when they must themselves be reckoned among those who have been delivered from death and corruption and with great reason for their nature is one with ours and over us death had dominion. It was necessary, then, that alone, and first of all, the Son of the living Father should give over his own body to death as a ransom for the lives of all men, that by connection with the life of the Word, which was united with itself, it might so prepare the way, that our mortal bodies might be enabled henceforth also to triumph over the bondage of death, FOR THE LORD IS THE FIRST FRUITS OF THEM THAT ARE ASLEEP, AND THE FIRST BORN FROM THE DEAD. AND SO, BY HIS OWN RESURRECTION, MAKES SMOOTH FOR THOSE WHO COME AFTER HIM THE WAY TO INCORRUPTION. HE THEREFORE WITHDRAWS THE DISCIPLES FROM THE PERIL OF THE MOMENT, AS WELL KNOWING THAT THE CONFLICT WAS IN SPECIAL MEET FOR HIMSELF, AND SHOWING THEREBY THAT OUR REDEMPTION WAS THE WORK OF NONE OTHER save only that nature which is supreme over the universe. The wise evangelist turns to a clear proof of the general and universal mercy, which will be shown to all who come to him through faith. This partial and special care here manifested to those who were with him. For, he says, he procured that his disciples should be suffered to go their way, that the word might be fulfilled which he spake, of those whom thou gavest me i lost not one for how can there be any question that he will show mercy on them that come after the disciples for where care is shown in small things how can there be neglect in greater and is it likely that he who showed mercy to a mere handful will pay no heed to a multitude whom no man can number for the multitude of believers is exceeding great YOU MUST RECEIVE, THEN, THE PARTIAL AS A TYPE OF THE UNIVERSAL, AND YOU CAN EASILY PERCEIVE, BY HIS REFUSAL TO PUT HIS DISCIPLES IN ANY DANGER AT ALL, WHAT AND HOW GREAT WILL BE HIS WRATH AGAINST HIS MURDERERS. FOR DOES HE NOT ALTOGETHER HATE WHATEVER OPPOSES HIS WILL? CAN THERE BE ANY FURTHER DOUBT THAT SEVERE AND ENDLESS PUNISHMENT AWaitS THOSE WHO DO THE THINGS WHICH ARE HATEFUL TO HIM? 10. Simon Peter, therefore, having a sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. Now the servant's name was Malchus. What was it, some one may say, that induced the inspired evangelist to make mention of this, and point out to us the disciple using a sword, contrary to his wont against those who came to take Christ? and stir to a hotter and more precipitate fit of wrath than was meet. And Christ thereupon rebuking him? This narrative may, perhaps, seem superfluous, but it is not so. For he has here given us a pattern expressly for our learning. For we shall know, from what took place here, to what lengths our zeal and piety towards Christ may proceed without reproach, and what we may choose to do in conflicts such as this without stumbling on something displeasing to god for this typical instance forbids us to draw a sword or lift up stones against any man or to strike our adversaries with a stick when through our piety towards christ we are in conflict with them for our weapons are not of the flesh as paul saith but we ought rather to treat even our murderers with kindness when occasion precludes our escape for it is far better for other men to be corrected for their sins against us by him that judgeth righteously than that we ourselves should make excuses for our blood guiltiness, making piety our plea besides we may call it most irrational to honor by the death of our persecutors him who to set men free from death himself cheerfully suffered death and herein we must surely follow christ himself for if he had been called to die perforce and of necessity as unable by his own power to repel the assault of his foes who were invincible through the number of the servants of the jews there might perhaps have been nothing unreasonable in those who chose to love him succoring him with all their might and showing the utmost courage in order to rescue him from the peril into which he had been brought by the impiety of his foes against his will but since being truly god he was able to destroy his adversaries root and branch and at the very outset of the conflict so to say had given them such a token of his might as by a single word and that spoken in courtesy to lay them low on the earth for they all fell backward how could it be right for us in unbridled and inordinate wrath to wilfully and recklessly proceed to lengths that he did not though he might have done so with the utmost ease we find also traces of the same spirit elsewhere recorded by the holy evangelist for our saviour once came to a village bordering on judea to lodge there it belonged to the samaritans and when he was drawing nigh into it they roughly drove him away the disciples were enraged thereat and came to him and said lord wilt thou that we bid fire to come down from heaven and consume them and the saviour answered them let them alone. Know ye not that I can besiege my Father, and he shall even now send me twelve legions of angels? For he came not as God to use his own innate power against those who vented their fury upon him, but rather to school us to patient forbearance under every affliction, and to be himself a type of the most perfect and passionless tranquillity. Therefore also he said, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. The purpose of Peter in drawing his sword against the adversaries does not trespass outside the commandment of the law, for the law bade us requite unreproved evildoers. Foot for foot, hand for hand, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. For with what other object did they come armed with swords and staves? equipped with armor and banded together in numbers than to wage such a conflict as they thought the disciples would wage in their extremity for that they brought swords and staves the saviour plainly tells us when he says elsewhere to them are ye come out as against a robber with swords and staves to seize me i sat daily in the temple teaching and ye took me not the passion of Peter, therefore, was lawful and accorded with the old enactments. But our Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to give us teaching superior to the law, and to reform us to his meekness of heart, rebukes those passions which are in accordance with the law, as incompatible with the perfect accomplishment of true virtue. For perfect virtue consists not in requital of like for like, BUT IS RATHER SEEN IN PERFECT FORBEARANCE. SOMEONE MAY NOW PERHAPS RAISE THE QUESTION AND ASK HIMSELF, WHY DID PETER CARRY A SWORD? WE REPLY THAT THE DUTY OF repelling THE ASSAULTS OF EVIL DOERS, ACCORDING TO THE LAW, BROUGHT THE NEED OF A SWORD. FOR IF ONE OF THE DISCIPLES HAD CHOSEN TO STRIKE THE INNOCENT WITH A SWORD, HOW COULD THE SAME ISSUE HAVE BEEN TRIED? IT IS LIKELY, TOO, THAT THE HOLY DISCIPLES, AS THEY WERE HURRYING AT MIDNIGHT FROM THEIR PLACE OF REST, AND EXPECTED TO FIND WOODS AND GARDENS IN THEIR WAY, WERE SUSPICIOUS OF THE ATTACKS OF WILD BEASTS, FOR OF THESE JUDEA WAS VERY FERTILE. PERHAPS YOU MAY REJOIN, BUT WHAT NEED HAD THE DISCIPLES OF A SWORD? WAS NOT CHRIST SUFFICIENT FOR THEM IN TIME OF PERIL, and could not he scare away wild beasts and release them from all fear on that account if you say this you say well for christ can do all things but we shall find that though christ might have effected it otherwise the disciples continued to live after the manner usual to men for must we not suppose that christ was able to turn stones into bread and out of nothing to create money sufficient to defray their expenses still they fetched loaves and carried a purse taking alms of those who brought them and when christ wished to cross the sea in their company they entered into a ship though he might have walked over the billows if he had been so minded it is fruitless then to cavil at the disciples for following the ordinary usages of mankind peter strikes off the right ear of the servant and his action points as in a figure to the inability of the jews to hear aright for they would not hearken to christ's words they rather so to say honoured the left ear obeying simply the dictates of their own misguided prejudice deceiving and being deceived according to the scripture for even when walking in the law ordained them of old they turn to doctrines the precepts of men. 11. Jesus therefore said unto Peter, Put up thy sword into its sheath. The cup which the Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Christ's bidding is fraught with the enactment of life according to the gospel and the spirit, not of the Mosaic law revealed to the men of old time, but of the dispensation of Christ, which so dissuades us from using the sword or offering resistance that if a man choose to smite us on one cheek and then to demand the other to be smitten we ought to turn to him the other also cutting out as it were by the roots the human weakness of our hearts but he says in effect even if no law had been laid down by me concerning forbearance under evil thy mind Peter has failed to reason aright and thou hast made an attempt altogether unsuited to the occasion for when it was the decree and pleasure of god the father that i should drink this cup that is willingly undergo as it were the deep sleep of death in order to overthrow death and corruption how then can i shrink from it when so great blessings are certain to result to the race of man through my drinking it the foregoing words well explain the drift of the passage before us. There is another passage also of similar purport. Our Lord Jesus Christ, wishing to confirm the disciples in faith and to remove in anticipation the stumbling block of his precious cross, once said to them in his discourse as they were halting on the way Behold, We go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners, and they shall crucify him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised up. And the inspired Peter, not considering the benefits of his death, but only regarding the ignominy of the cross, said, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall never be unto thee. What answered Christ? get thee behind me satan thou art a stumbling block unto me for thou mindest not the things of god but the things of men for he that savourest the things that be of god makes it his end and object to set at not worldly honours and to account as nothing the loss of reputation among men so long as the good of his fellow men is achieved thereby for love the apostle says seeketh not his own but he who is absorbed in the contemplation of the things of men deems the loss of the paltry honours of earth intolerable and looks only to his own advantage and feels no sympathy with the losses of others just as in that passage christ called peter an offence unto him though he was not wont so to be and though he spoke out of love which yet could not escape blame, because he looked only at the death on the cross, and not at the benefits to result therefrom. Peter tried, so far as in him lay, to prevent that which had been resolved and determined for the salvation of all men. So also here we see him doing the same, by his passion and impetuous act with his sword. He is once more rebuked, not merely by the words, put up thy sword into its sheath but according to another evangelist christ added for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword and to repeat once more what we said before seeing that his capture was effected by his own will and did not merely result from the malice of the jews how could it be right to repel or thwart in any way and with a sword too the bold attack of his combined foes and the impious conspiracy of the jews he says that god the father gave unto him the cup that is death though it was prepared for him by the obstinate hatred of the jews because it would never have come to pass if he had not suffered it for our sakes Therefore also Christ said to boasting Pilate, Thou wouldst have no power against me except it were given thee from above. When Christ says that power was given Pilate from above, he refers to his own willingness to suffer death and the consent of his Father in heaven. End of chapter 12, part 2.